Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, joining us courtesy of the uh, Murdoch Auto Group. It is David Locke, kind enough to join us. David, how are you? Hey, David. Um, what are you trying to do? Lose money on what? So you've got a ticket. You, before the tournament, you, you're a big USC fan. Uh, you dropped $1,000 on a ticket that will pay out $200,000 if USC wins the tournament. They are playing Gonzaga tonight. Prop Swap, a company that comes up and uh, will buy your ticket for you and take on the risk, uh, but you're not going to. We'll offer you ten grand for that ticket right now. I put in how much? You put in a grand, so you're 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 getting a uh, pretty hefty return on your investment. Uh, considering that I, you know, in some ways had this decision recently, I would take the ten grand and not wait it out. <laughs> <laughs> and you were smart then, and this guy's smart now to take that ten grand. I think I, think I was smart then. We'll see over time whether I was smart or not. But I know, I know, I walked away with my ten grand, so I'm all right with it. Or another number, but that's all right. <laughs> okay, so let's talk yes. <laughs> let's do it, shall we? Uh, yeah, hey. let's change the subject. I <laughs> I started it. I'm not mad at you, but I'm going to end it. <laughs> once we get into that cat, once we get into that part of the conversation, we can end it. Yeah, because uh, because you, you know the the angle for me is what are you guys talking about? Yeah, uh, most people that. listening right now are probably thinking, "What are we talking about?" So therefore, that wasn't really the best radio segment we've ever done. Yeah, that's bad. That's my bad. Uh, David Locke, kind enough to join us right here on 97.5, 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. All right. Uh, this team now on a six-game winning streak. Uh, they beat up a Cleveland team like they were supposed to. Uh, they've got one more game against Memphis. Level of competition hasn't been great, but overall, do you feel like this team's back on track to where they were uh, near the end of the All-Star break uh, about a, a few weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, they're really following the kind of pattern that every Quinn Snyder team has ever followed, which is after some sort of stoppage of play, they're not always great. And that takes them a little while to grab their continuity back and remember how Quinn wants them to play. They've never, I, I, my memory serves me that we've never been particularly good right out of the all-star break. Um, we weren't this time. We were pretty bad against Golden State. We were atrocious against Washington. And then, you know, what they've really done is they've gotten way better at transition defense. It wasn't a multiple things that had to be fixed. It was really one. They were having bad first quarters which Donovan's rectified, and they were having bad transition defense. Teams were uh, Washington scored 1.85 points per possession in transition. Wow. Two on that for a second. And Golden State, I think, was 1.5, and the last few nights have been like one point of possession in transition. So this isn't that complicated um, when because the two things this team needs to do is, one, is get back and play some sort of transition defense. And then two is when they do get back and get you out of transition in the half court, they're deadly because they're the best half court defense in the league because they have the greatest defensive player in the world. Yeah. It's interesting that teams still will try to go at, at Rudy Gobert every, from time once to time. It seems like some and of <laughs> Once a night. Like, it's like, you know, though, people get sick of tequila and they try it again for some yeah. stupid reason. Right? Like, it's like there's a lot of things in life that you try a second time and you're like, yeah, it's not good. Like, it's not good anymore. So, um, you know, I think there's the, like, candy bar that we've all tried that we loved as a kid. I think mine's Charleston, too. And you eat it now and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's just nothing redeeming about this at all. <laughs> and, like, four years later, you're like, you know, I think that Charleston, too, is probably good by now. 
and you try it again, and you're like, oh, that is still awful. <laughs> big League Chew fits into it, too. All the chews, Charleston Chew, Big League Chew, uh, frankly, Red Leaf Chew, um, all of the chews, Beach Nut Chew, none of them are as good as they, they seemed at the first time you tried them. When she says we're just friends, you're never going to be more than just friends. So quit right. trying to and go back to the Right, and yet you go back and try again. Like yep, you yep. think, I think it's going to be different this time. No, it's not, actually. It's not. <laughs> Darius Garland, it's not going to be different for you than it was for Delon Wright. It's not going to be different for you than it was for Jalen Brown. It's not going to be different for you than it was for Kemba Walker. It's not going to be different for you than it was for everybody but John Morant and Zion Williamson. Those are the only two that are allowed to just go at Rudy. And they just climb his chest. But when you can't climb his chest, you have no chance. You know, I was watching that game last night, and uh, Joe Ingles knocked down a three, and, and the camera panned across the bench, and Donovan Mitchell's on the bench, and he's shaking his head, this 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 look. And it's, it's kind of a look crossed between um, disbelief and almost awkwardness of what Joe Ingles is doing on the perimeter right now. Have you ever seen anything like this in shooting uh, from the outside, David? I have because I spent a year with Ray Allen. Um, but now we're talking about rarefied air, right? So he's in rarefied air. He says, you know, when you, it's a pr- pretty special thing when you when someone takes a shot and you think it's going in. I frankly, Donovan's right there with him right now. I haven't told it in a little bit. I'll have to do some work tonight. Um, Donovan's catch and shoot is the most underrated single aspect I think of anyone's game in the NBA. So if you if you were to ask a hundred NBA experts. Over the last three years, who are the best catch-and-shoot guys in the NBA? I don't think you'd hear, like, list the top ten. Do you think Donovan's name would get mentioned? No. By no, any of them? No, it wouldn't. Uh-uh. So he's the second-best catch-and-shoot guy in the NBA over the last three years behind Joe Harris. Interesting, percentage-wise. How many catch-and-shoots does he take a game? Uh, probably now it's up. It's probably two or three. But, like, that's been my – you know, and if I go back to his draft workout, which, you know, I was sworn to never being talked about, but I'll talk about it now. Um, and that is, you know, if you that draft workout, they did a bunch of things with him where he came off, like, pin downs and picked as though he was – as though he was playing it as um, as though he was, like, Clay Thompson. And he had this incredible ability – to rise up, square his shoulders, and get the shot off. Now, that's like a part of his game we've never seen. We don't run a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, J.J. Reddick, Clay Thompson. Like, you could run that for Donovan very easily. And I think in the playoffs, you'll actually see us run that for Donovan, where Gobert goes down to set the pick in the corner, and Donovan comes off it, catches a pass, and, like, is it quickly into a shot? I think that's going to – I think when we've seen us play the best teams in the league, there's been a lot more action for Donovan where his advantage is being created for him before he gets the ball. And I think we'll see that when playoff time comes. But he's really an elite, elite level shooter. Um, And he's an elite level finisher for a guy who's 6'1", frankly. So um, I think Donovan's right with Joe right now on some of this stuff. You've got 24.6 three-point attempts per game coming from Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, Royce O'Neal, and Donovan Mitchell, and all of them are averaging 40% from three or more, and in, in Joe's case, a lot more than uh, 40%. And that doesn't include Boyan, and it doesn't include Jordan Clarkson, who on any given night, those two guys can get extremely What about my three. guy I mean, George's? Uh, yeah, and then you got George's too. Jo- I mean, George's is at 40, isn't he? 
Close. A 39.5 if you want to round up, That's I guess. That's 40. Yeah. I round up. Why, why would we didn't create this stuff to round down numbers that are at five. Why would we do that to guys? That's, that's a well, 40. I'm sure his agent rounds up. I'm sure he um, does. Right. So, so that and gives you my, that gives you nearly 28, about, 28 attempts a game with guys that are shooting 40% from three. So, so let's even just like, just how many do we take? Let's just stop actually parsing anyone out. Like how many do we take a game? 40 a game right 42. now? 42.8. All right. When what? And we have seven guys who take them. Yep. And six of the seven are either shooting 40% or career 40% three-point shooters. Yep. And Clarkson's the one who's not. And as a team, the Jazz are shooting, rounding up, 40% from three. 39. Are we below 40%? 39.8. That's only because of blowout time. Use cleaning the glass yeah. for over 40%. Um, cleaning the glass is actually really important this year because we've had so much blowout time. It totally skews our numbers. Because um, we've led by 20 in, I think, 25 games now. So is that the, uh, is that, is that the, uh, the cutoff number for clean the glass? Up by 20? No, they do it as, I think they do it as up by a certain amount of no starters on the floor. So ironically enough, I think last night, because Cleveland didn't have enough players, I'm not sure when blowout time kicks in last night, if it does. Because they had a lot of starters on the floor. Starters, in quotes. I don't know floor. if I'd call or, what those guys that were there. Starters, that yeah. was bad. Boy, it just looked like a mis it looked like a mismatch from like the first minute and I said it on the air and then I felt bad about it because I don't want to be disrespectful to NBA players. Like I early in my career I had somebody rem- like like I made a critical comment about a player and one of the other I think players around me at the time made a comment to me with a little profanity laced into it, maybe a lot. Like, don't beep and forget he's one of the four hundred and fifty best in the world. So I generally try not to, like, criticize NBA players. Like, right, you're criticizing, you know, you know, Wade last night's not someone you really think of, but he's one of the 450 best in the world. So, Very true. Um, However, Rudy Gobert did look like the senior in high school who had a crappy day and went down to pick on the seventh graders at the local court. <laughs> hey, uh, you brought up gorgeous Georges, and I was looking at this on this 20-game win streak that the Jazz are currently having at home. I went just to look at, at home and away numbers for certain players. I saw George shoots 29% from three on the road and 47% from three at home. Uh, that's, that's a big discrepancy. I, don't, I, don't, I, I couldn't find another number that was that separated. Um, it's really interesting, isn't it? And so yeah. I think you have to go back and look, is that true last year as well? Is that true the year before? And then try to figure out so – is that because of location and pattern? Is that because we're not playing as well on the road? And so George is, you know, getting rhythm threes from teams have broken down. Um, yep. It frankly might be that George gets them in transition and the altitudes kicked in and guys are slower in transition defense against in the altitude. I don't entirely know. Um, Joe Ingalls had that last year. I haven't looked at Joe this year, home versus road. Um, but Joe had that last year where he was way better I think it's on the road than he was at home. This year he's just really good everywhere. Who's your sixth man of the year vote? Uh, uh, this is why I would not want to be a uh, a person that covers the team regularly with a vote. Yeah, I mean, once they, I don't have a vote anymore. Um, nor nor should I, you want one. And I wouldn't – once they start putting, like, players' bonuses based on votes, I would want no yeah. part of it. I, I just – well, and also the other thing that's totally crooked on the voting, 
Have I revealed this dirty secret on the air before? Um, no, but please. Well, I, I don't know, but please go ahead. So high-profile media people and players have the same agent. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so I mean, it's it, – If you're it, a part of CAA, re- if you're a part of CAA, you better be voting for CAA athletes. Yeah. The minute they started revealing – like, they thought it was a good idea to start revealing what media members – how media members voted – and then, like, sure, except for CAA is now calling blank D blank reporter and saying, you didn't vote for our guy. Like, don't do that again. Yeah. No, that's uh, – I would not uh, – when they – as soon as they revealed the names and how they voted, and if I'm a, especially a beat writer and I'm in that locker room every single day and, you know, a guy misses out on being second team all NBA and – doesn't have a, you know, a super max opportunity oh and he's gosh. staring at you and knows that you didn't vote for him. Um, it's not a little I, either, right? Like yeah, we're talking yeah. 50, 80 million. It's a big number. It's a really it's big, really number. crazy numbers. Like I'm not, if I'm a player, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. And like, and I, let's I would be perfectly honest. Let's say I'm Donovan Mitchell. It's not going to happen, but let's say, let's take the best guy in the world, Donovan Mitchell. And you cost me the right to 50 or 80 million. I am calling you out on it every beeping time I walk in the locker room. Yeah. Yep. Every time. You know, I was thinking about this, David. You asked who the vote for the sixth man would be. And I was thinking about what Joe Ingles is doing and how Boyan Bogdanovich, now Boyan had a, a nice breakout game against Memphis and, and he's done some good things, but there's been a nice slump. I wonder how much Boyan looks at what Joe is doing off the bench and, and how much that pressurizes him. I don't think it does. There are different players. Boyan, I think, might be trying to stretch his game into, you know, playing with the ball in his hands more, and it's leading to some problems. Um, I thought there was a big shot last night. Boyan took a corner three with a guy, like, on him. That's the shot he used to take all the time that he's not taking right. this year. I thought that was a good moment. Um I would like Boyan Bogdan. This is I don't want to limit Boyan Bogdanovich's career to this, but I think there's a really, really important, valuable phenomenon that's going on in a league. I talked about this a lot last year. It doesn't seem to be getting quite the talk this year because teams are defending it differently. But it's the um, and these players all many of these players happen. All these players happen to be white, and it's just coincidental, I think. But the it's the Doug McDermott, Duncan Robinson. Davis Bertans, probably Boyan Bogdanovich. They're all 6'8". They're all great shooters, and they all can get about 7 or 8 a game. And I want – I actually think Boyan would be as valuable, if not more valuable, being that than anything else. And the reason is he's such a great shooter, and the key to all of these guys is that they're 6'8". And so their, their shooting window is high enough that they can always get it off. Matt Thomas is a nice shooter, but Matt Thomas has to become Wayne Ellington. A six foot three, off the move, JJ Reddick's the best example of it, shooter. Kyle Korver at six eight could do what Duncan Robinson, Davis Bertans, and Doug McDermott are doing. That four inches is a mammoth difference of where the po- your shooting pocket is. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 the zone and the zone sports network. Um who uh, who won trade deadline? Denver? Uh, maybe the Jazz. And then Portland. Not and an Eric Gordon the, fan, huh? 
so yeah, not really. Um, so let me explain that. One is the Lakers did Andre Drummond post trade deadline. It's okay, but they really didn't do anything right. Like Kyle Lowry, the Lakers, it's dramatically different look in the West. So if, and maybe the Clippers won too, because I think, so I, I might take the Clippers and jazz as the winners because the Lakers didn't do anything. I think the Clippers, I, as much as I don't love the Rajon Rondo pickup, and I really don't love Rajon Rondo for $9 million last year, I think watching the Clippers this year and their inconsistencies mirrored last year's, that their clubhouse dysfunction was not, had not been taken care of. And from everything I've heard throughout the league, their locker room dysfunction was the team of two years ago Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Montrez Harrell, the game, you know, the gamers, all those guys, Mo Harkless, like they, you know, all of them, you know, who battled to like the eighth playoff spot, and then they brought the superstars in, and like it didn't gel clearly, right? It didn't gel at all. And Lou Williams last year in the bubble goes to Atlanta, and then you hear his quotes after the game when they lose to Denver and all that. Like, I think they needed addition, more addition by subtraction. Montrez Harrell revealed everything in the offseason when he said, I didn't even get an offer from the Clippers. Well, maybe there's a reason. And so when, you know, they didn't get an offer, he didn't get an offer from the Clippers. Lou Williams was still with him. They've been trying to move Lou Williams and Pat Beverly all across the league all year long. I think they needed to flush out the rest of the dysfunction and let this new team form itself. And the early signs are it's certainly doing that. Um with a great win last night, despite the fact Paul George didn't play and Kawhi's been much more assertive. So I think the, as much as I don't care if they got Rondo, I think they got addition by subtraction. The Lakers not really doing anything. I think it's a big plus for the Clippers and Jazz. And then while Aaron Gordon will probably be a good mix and actually I think matches them up better against the Lakers really more than anyone else in, they, that very well is the 4-5 matchup, and we'll see whether Aaron Gordon can defend, but he's now – going to have the job of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, which they did not have a single player without Jeremy Grant and without Torrey Craig on their roster that could handle that. So in that sense, that's a nice pickup. I'm certain Aaron Gordon's never thought of himself as a defensive player, so that'll be interesting to watch. But the thing to me about Denver is, and maybe I'm setting too high a standard here, but over the last few years, they've they've moved Juan Herman Gomez, Malik Beasley, R.J. Hampton. They lost Jeremy Grant. Um... Who else did they just send? Who they just sent to Denver? They have a major piece that they sent. There was a big piece they sent to Denver. Oh, Gary Harris. Yeah. They had Bull Bull. They had Michael Porter Jr. Maybe they just had Michael Porter Jr. so good they didn't want to trade him. It seems like a fairly real decision. That, that's seven guys. I, I thought those seven guys would yield them Bradley Beal or something of that caliber, not Aaron Gordon. So Aaron Gordon might turn out to be a perfectly good move. But I'm just looking at the assets that Denver had two years ago, and I feel like there's been a lot of player movement in the league, and they didn't go get that, really, that second or third stall. They got, like, what's Aaron Gordon good at? Uh, nothing, nothing like, <clears throat> nothing major stands to mind. It's just he's, it, it seems like he's well-rounded in a lot of areas. It gives you a lot of defense. It gives you athleticism offensively. Uh, uh, nothing really Big pops out to me of he's like he, he's not a good isolation this. player. He's not an off the bounce shooter. He's not a pick and roll ball handler. He's not a spot up shooter. He's a really good open floor athlete. Great slam dunk champion. Super body. Insane athleticism. 
extra defender. Never understood his, never, never understood his role. Now, yeah. Willie in Denver, maybe. So hey, I uh, think that's that's my take is that the the Jazz and the Clippers were the winners of the trade deadline. Portland got better than anyone else, and San Antonio got better than anyone else. They got rid of Lamarcus Aldridge and they added Gorgie Zhang. How much does thirty-six-year-old JJ Redick help the Dallas Mavericks? He doesn't. Here's my take on J.J. Redick. It's the same thing about Wayne Ellington, same thing a little bit about Kyle Korver late in his career. Frankly, a little bit, as we just added Matt Thomas, who is a poor man's all of those. Those players are really, really nice. You have to stop your entire offense to go get them a shot. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So I didn't mind stopping the entire offense when J.J. Redick was at 42 or 3 or 4% from 3. When J.J. Reddick's at 36% from three, I'm not sure I want to stop my entire offense. Hands and Scotty here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. That is David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. David, thank you so much. Thanks, David. By the way, have you looked at what a bloodbath the West playoffs is going to be? Oh, my gosh. It's going to be fun. So it's going to be Utah 1, Clippers 2, Phoenix 3, Denver 4, Lakers 5, Dallas or Portland 6-7 which means Dallas or Portland, and think about how good Portland's going to be at that point with Norman Powell, with Nurkic back, is one of those two is playing the seven game, which very well will be against Memphis at eight. They'll win. The 9-10 game is going to be Golden State or San Antonio versus New Orleans. It's a hell of a year to have wins. Then New Orleans goes and plays Memphis, and the winner goes and plays. The one seed is so massively important. The yes. team you're playing will have already played two games, will have very little time to prep, and is not Portland, Dallas, Denver, or Los Angeles. You think the you think the uh, Lakers hold on that high to the five, huh? Yeah, they would have had to throw up on some of these last few games. I think they slipped to six, and they didn't do it. Like those were the games, like the Clevelands and the Orlandos, and those games. If they're still going to win those, then they'll be fine. By the way, a little, yeah, breaking, Milwaukee. a little breaking news out of the NFL um, before we go to break. It is official, and we all knew it was going to happen, but next year you will have 17 a 17-game regular season. Capitalism at its finest. Concern for player safety at an all-time low. <laughs> but player salaries are going through the roof, right? Oh, yeah, and, and they got uh, you know that new TV deal. God bless America, right there. They're, it, right. Yeah, it's so, going mean, to be good. But that's what the trade was here. But the trade but get was re- that this extra game is for a huge amount of money. Yeah, but also get ready for a lot of backup quarterback play in the playoffs. So, if I could go back to the league, I'd give you an extra game, but you're going to have to give me some type of guaranteed contract. I, I can't believe would the you, PA couldn't fight would enough for that. Would you take an extra game for? Would you take an extra game for like a 15 percent raise? Yes, as long as it was guaranteed. But I think yeah, if, I, if you could take the front end uh, preseason crap off, yeah. And that's yeah, the other thing. That's, I'm I mean, assuming they're that's yeah, really they're what ca- it is, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, didn't yeah, the, isn't the cap going to be up 15 or 20 percent on the new after new the new deal? Yeah. Next yep. this this coming year, it's down, uh, but the but it'll rebound nicely, and they might have one of those NF, you know NBA a few years ago, you know crazy jump ups, and and it'll be interesting to see how they play with that too. Oh, that's a really fascinating concept. I wonder, it'll I mean, go I, da- 
So my quick it, thought on that is, so the NBA allowed a team of superstars to add another superstar, right? That was the impact of the yep. NBA for Warriors. So in the NFL right now, your big problem is when your quarterback gets paid, you can't build the rest of your roster anymore. So Correct. will a team with a Russell Wilson, I mean, just hypothetically, a team with a Russell Wilson, but or a team that has paid their quarterback be able to sign free agents because of that, because of that bubble burst in a way and make and that you wouldn't be able to do in other years. Will that be the impact that, that the good veteran quarterback teams will be good instead of what, you know, Drew Brees had in New Orleans all these years where they just didn't have enough talent because he was getting paid so much money. Yeah. Well, you, you, you would think that at some point somebody would take a lesson from Tom Brady and the way they manipulate his signings and his bonuses and his contracts so that he can keep a lot of talent around him so he can win Super Bowls so he becomes the greatest all time. Like, at some point you'd think somebody would see that and be like, all right, you know, I'm going to manage my money. I'm going to make sure that I can get the right talent around me so I continue to be the best quarterback in the league, not a so I don't, I don't know not enough a flash there. in the what pan. Are, what are the numbers there? Like how much less was Brady taking, or was this the case in the New England years of them managing the cap better than other people? Or uh, they, both. Was, was, how much was Brady taking less than other people? I mean, Brady was never the highest paid at his position, um, and so he was always given a bit of a discount. And then when they needed him to manipulate – you know, turn money into uh, from a signing bonus and delay stuff. Like he was always willing to manipulate the number. Now, granted, he got his money, uh, but he was and will get it after. And will get it after. But he was never when he could have been the highest paid quarterback in the league. Was never never had uh, that title. May, maybe by six to eight million, David. And is that enough? Like, what's like? I've always I always want this is like. So I've always had a fundamental problem with like asking your best players to take the discount. Like actually the middle range players making five should take three. If they want to play with Tom Brady, like I've always been that viewpoint, not Tom Brady should take 15 instead of 25. Um, because Tom Brady's worth the 25 and the five, the other guy might not be. Um, so I've always never, but I like, what's the number where it actually well, matters? Dave, like I if think, he takes five I, I, less, I th- is it one player? And or like what's the number that matters? Well, I, I think like if you if you put it in terms of, you know, like survival, let, let's say we're having to cross the plains as pioneers and it's like, okay, well, I need wheat, I need sugar, and I need eggs. So Tom Brady sits down and he's like, all right, I need Gronkowski. Maybe I need a left tackle that is absolutely secure, and then maybe I need my crossing route. Right? You can take from Wes Welker is- to every other – you know, rinse and repeat whoever yeah. that slot guy is. And so yeah. in Tom Brady's mind, he says, all right, I need these three things. I have to have these three things on my offense. So he goes to a general manager and he sits down and he says, all right, what's Tom? What, what is Rob Gronkowski asking for? Well, Rob needs this to, to be around. We're two, right. we're two million shy on Rob. Exactly. How can we manage that? Well, we can manage that by extending here. All right. Now. I need whatever right? light comes always comes to my mind every time I'm thinking of Tom Brady's offensive line. I need so and so at my left tackle. Okay, well we need this, and you just manage your contract to take the necessary supplies across the plains. That's what Tom's done for years, and it it, it it's not like we can define the number. All we know is he's managing his money to make sure he's got his survival kit every year he takes the field, and he's and he's brilliant at it. Interesting. Really interesting. You guys should host a talk show. You're pretty good. <laughs> that's why That's why my guy here is one of the best in the biz, for sure. 
Have you guys thought about that? Like, I mean, like a few hours every day? Like, it's good. <laughs> Maybe four? Oh, man. Yeah, that, yeah, that seems like a lot. Yeah. I would never uh, I want to do four. I, I, I guarantee Gordon would still list us as broadcasters in his newspaper article. Right. You want to know? You want to hear something I don't think crazy? He would, I don't think he would have done that to David. You think he would have done that? Oh, yeah, he'd have done it to David. Sure. Uh, Absolutely. What did he do? He called you broadcasters? Yeah, well, so he calls me on Saturday morning, and he says, hey, look, I'm writing a Craig Smith story, and I need some cute little anecdotes or stories about Craig Smith. And I told him uh, I, I told him this story about Fun story. about how, you know, technically we could only do a coach's show, but it had to be in this closet at this restaurant. And I told him, hey, you don't have to do the show. We'll just cancel it. He's like, no, let's go. Let's do the show. It'll be fun. And he said it'll be a great story. In a six-by-four closet, by the way. And so, anyway, we do the show. And so I told Gordon that story goes, and – and so, you know, I opened up this column thinking, oh, it'll be fun. I made a Gordon column. It'll be great. And he goes, the broadcaster told Craig Smith <laughs> this, and and he and the host sat in this closet for The host of the coaches' it. show. Yeah. Since we're just no three buddies hanging out chatting and there's no clock and nothing that Lloyd needs to be involved in. So I want to hear a crazy thing. Yeah. Ten years ago today. I turned on my computer and decided to do this thing at the time called tip-off. Yeah. Ten years ago today was the first time I hosted a no podcast. Yeah. I'll be darned. How about that? At least some people thought it was a good idea. Most people thought it was really silly. Some people were totally uh, uninterested Gord, in it. Gordon will write a column and say, a broadcaster decided Yeah, to Gordon host. should write a column. It's a newsworthy event that I hosted a podcast for the first time ten years ago. No, it is not. Ten years ago today, huh? Wow. Yep. Not crazy. That really that's is. A lot of, that's a lot of 30-minute podcasts, which is not nearly as many as four-hour shows as you've done. So that was really what made me think of that. It's like four hours is really long. <laughs> you uh, I kind of like oh. this 22-minute segment that we're doing. Oh, it's way past I, 22, I'm, by the way. I can, I'm, um, I'm good. You know, you haven't even asked me the most important question of the day. What is that? And the answer is yes. <laughs> There's a lot of... Uh, are you willing to host a show uh, every day no. here on the zone? No. Will you lend us? Will you lend us each twenty thousand dollars? Why? Because <laughs> the answer was yes. I know, but I need to know why you need the money. Um, that wasn't a definitive because. no. That was I was a loving, caring friend. That was not a definitive <laughs> yeah. no. That was a why. Um, because it's a no. Um, I yes. I'm, the answer is yes. I'm in the van. Oh, there you go. Oh man, always in the van. I want to. I want to. I want to tell a management story so bad about. Oh, I did. Okay, I had somebody who is, uh, who did reach out and say you need to tell David that that podcast is too long, and I'm like, you need to tell David that nobody's paying him for that podcast, so David can do whatever he wants with that podcast. <laughs> I'll have to find out who that was. Was it one of the people who told me that they were uninterested and that it wasn't something that they thought would be successful? Uh yeah, I'm I'm sure it was. Oh. Yeah. Okay, good for them. Anyway, all right, Hans and Scotty here on ninety-seven five twelve eighty the zone. Uh, you're the best man. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining. Us. Try this again. Bye, David. See ya. <laughs>